This is a podcast from the Kurdish Library in Stockholm. Everybody is welcome to this program. I will speak in English and maybe sometime in Kurdish. Uh, so, because uh, some of our guests maybe don't speak so good English. Uh, so today we are here because of uh, this fantastic book, Kurdistan Tour Guide. And it's a book, it's an unusual book from Kurdistan, uh, because uh, everybody is speaking about Daesh and the problems, the victims and the war. But uh, today we have a guest who speaks about the tourism of Kurdistan and how, uh, how wonderful the, the country of the Kurds is. And also with these fantastic pictures, I heard that about 4,000 pictures has been taken before they started to elect the books, the, 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 the photographs. And this book has also another very important thing, is that all kind of the rich uh, culture of the Kurds, by diversity, the religions, and especially there's also some chapters about the Yazidis in this book, and the Ralesh, and you know, the the holy uh, place of the Yazidis who have been victims uh, in August two, 2014. And uh, so this, this is actually, we can say that uh, it has two important uh, messages. Uh, the first one is that the life goes on in Kurdistan and no one can stop the life is going on in Kurdistan. And the second is that, that the Kurdistan is, uh, at, at, is very beautiful and touristic place if the owners of Kurdistan or the members of Kurdistan or the inhabitants of the Kurdistan uh, can uh, take care of Kurdistan, it will be a kind of Switzerland in the Middle East. So with these words, I will, uh, and we have uh, said that Mr. Harry Schutt, uh, the writer and the organizer of this book and the Kurdistan uh, Iraq tours, is here and he will speak later, but we will start with Susan Gwen, the president of the Kurdish Association in Sweden. Welcome. And she speaks better English than Harry and me. <laughs> no. Don't be modest. <clears throat> okay, so distinguished participants, my name is Susanna Gilven and I am the head of the Kurdish Association here in Sweden. Uh, you are very welcome to this rare and important seminar today. Like uh, Kurdu said, uh, it's very special with this book because uh, every day we Kurds meet uh, terror and uh, horrific pictures of Daesh, what they commit in, uh, in KRG and also in Iraq and Syria. But to be able to read a book like this about the fantastic culture in Kurdistan is just completely amazing. <coughs> The Kurdish people have fought for decades for peace, freedom, and democracy, and as a result, the Kurdish people have suffered a series of assaults and attacks. So the Kurdish history consists of torture, ethnical cleansing, mass deportation, abuse, and killings. Uh, we're very proud that the KRG has welcomed uh, all the refugees in, uh, in, Kurdis in Iraq and also Kurdistan, but we're also very happy that in the midst of all of this misery, it's very uh, gratifying that the first tour guide of Kurdistan is published by no other than Harry Shoot. And I'm very happy that you took your time to fly from New Jersey. Well, how there, actually? How To come and talk about his book. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome with your applause to Mr. Shoot, who will tell us more about his book. <laughs> 
Thank you very much to Sangvel for these warm words. And we were also Mr. Nazar Hirori. He will say some words for for Harry or for for the book. Welcome. Yes. And uh, thank you very much for uh, this opportunity that you let me uh, taste my English, which I, all <laughs> I, I don't use often, uh, but I will do that uh, today. Uh, in fact, when I, when I saw this book for the, for the first time, it, it made me think of uh, two important things. Uh, first of all, I must say it's a fascinating book, and it's a very, a very professional one, which is um, meant for tourism in Kurdistan. Uh, the, the first point which which um, attracted me was that um, amid all the genocides, the miser miseries, and amid all the wars that Kurdistan has witnessed. Um, there is a tre another treasure which people do not uh, consider or ha have not considered very well, and it's the the Kurdistan nature and the and Kurdistan beauty, uh, which is reflected, of course, in this book, and which should be part of what Kurdistan is. Um, the other point. In, in the 1980s, um, the Iraqi government uh, issued a tourist guide to Iraq. And in that guide, there was uh, some few pages on um, the north of Iraq. They, they, they didn't call it north of Iraq, but they called it our, our beloved north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the name, our beloved north. So, in in that in the in those pages, there were only mention of some historical places and some attract attractions there. For example, Gali Ali waterfall, and there were no there is there was no mention of people there, as if. It's only just a, a place out, outside of the of the earth, of, and so when when I saw in this book that there is the full of people, full of uh, of of life, and the, the about Kurdish cousin, about Kurdish food, about Kurdish culture, and everything that in fact attracted my attention and. Uh, you have done a wonderful work, and thank you very much for this. Thank you. Thank you.
before I uh, get into uh, how this whole project came about. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank the Kurdish Library, uh, and Kaknozad uh, in particular, uh, for being the principal sponsor uh, for this uh, event today. Uh, thank you very much. Um, very impressed when I saw the library here uh, doing a very good thing, and I, I wish you a lot of success going forward with that project. Thank you. Uh, also, the Kurdish Association, uh, thank you very much uh, for your support as well. Um, of course, our moderator, Kat Kurdo, uh, thank you very much uh, for, for taking some time out to be with us here today. And the, uh, the Swedish Curtis Association, uh, again, uh, thank you. Um, I understand what you're doing because with one of the other hats that I wear uh, in Kurdistan, I'm the Vice President of the America Kurdistan Friendship Association. So we try to do, I think, the same kind of thing that you're doing, but in Kurdistan. Actually, I have been to your events. Ah, okay, so, so you know what we're about. Okay, very good. It's fine. Okay. In fact, um, the night before I came here, uh, Thursday night, we had a Thanksgiving dinner uh, celebration uh, in Howdair. Uh More than 300 people uh, came, uh, not only Kurdish Americans, people from the Kurdish community, but many Americans, foreign diplomats. Um, so we're trying to keep up our end uh, to make the relations between people from uh, Kurdistan and people from America um, have better understanding and better relations between them. Um, the final thank you that I have is for our two main sponsors uh, for the book project, um, because we could not have finished this project if we did not have some sponsors to help us do the funding for it, very frankly. We had a number of sponsors, uh, probably about 30, 35 altogether, but the two who carried the heavy load uh, were Korak Telecom and Car Group um, in, in Kurdistan. And uh, thanks to their support, we were able to do the project. So um, for those who don't know, um, I've been in Kurdistan uh, now for about 12 years. Um, I got there in 2003, uh, came along with the, uh, the U.S.-led coalition, um, and I was a uh, commanding and civil affairs unit um, in Kurdistan, and, and I will say in Kurdistan and North Iraq, um, <laughs> because I had soldiers who were outside of Kurdistan as well. So, um, and, and that's how I really became introduced to Kurdistan. Um, my academic background is in history, um, and so I had done some studying before I had gone to Kurdistan, got to know a little bit about where I was going, uh, had my soldiers do the same thing, and when I got on the ground and got to see the places that I had been studying about before I arrived, and of course, you know, as time allowed, I, I wasn't there as a tourist um, when I was wearing the uniform of the United States Army, um, but I tried to go off on little side jaunts where I could. But I was uh, stunned with the visual beauty of Kurdistan. Um, I was very impressed with uh, the people that I met um, in different places that I went. And I was fortunate because of the job that I had that I was able to go literally from one end of Kurdistan to the other. Zakho to, to Kalar, uh, Penjwin uh, to Mahmur, wherever you can imagine. Um, there are very few places in Kurdistan I've not been to. Um, unlike, unfortunately, many people in Kurdistan, I think I've been to more places than I think some of them, actually. <laughs> but, uh, so that gave me a good um, basis of foundation um, for knowing about Kurdistan. I guess it was in about um, 2007, um, one of my friends in Kurdistan, um, an American by the name of Dr. Douglas Layton, um, he had been there for many years uh, before me um, but we decided that the time was coming to begin to find ways to 
properly promote Kurdistan, especially to people outside, uh, to people in the West, in Europe, in America, Australia, um, focusing, you know, on, on, let's say, the English-speaking world, but, you know, of course, many parts of Europe, English isn't their native language, but they understand, like here. Um, and so we thought that we would try to put together some kind of a tour company um, to be a good vehicle to introduce Kurdistan to people as they were coming. And um, it was a natural fit because in the jobs that we both had as, and I was finished with the Army by that time, I was, I was working uh, mainly as an advisor to the KRG, but doing some other stuff as well. But we had handled dozens of delegations coming to visit Kurdistan. And so we were very familiar with taking people around and showing them uh, what was to be seen. And uh, so we decided to start uh, a tour company um, called the Other Iraq Tours. And uh, we officially launched in the spring of 2008 with our first tour group, um, which was a group from America. 2000. 2008. Eight. Uh, which was a group from America. Uh, 18 people uh, came on that first tour that we had. Um, and we did that through an American tour company. And um, from there on, it was a pretty steady business of different tour groups coming in uh, to visit Kurdistan. And um, one of the things that we did when we started our operations, we wanted to make sure that we were delivering a professional product. Uh, you know, we wanted our guests to really feel the experience of Kurdistan and experience it in a positive way because our goal was they would go back to wherever they were from and they would talk to their friends and their family and people they worked with about what a wonderful time they had in this place called Kurdistan. Um, so that, that was the objective that we had to do it in a proper way like that. The reason we called ourselves the other Iraq tours was because, of course, what was going on in 2007-2008, the surge, uh, you know, the so-called surge by the uh, coalition forces, you know, the, the additional American soldiers that went in trying to really break the back of uh, the Islamic State in Iraq uh, at that time. And so a lot of the news that was available in the mainstream media was bad. Um, you know, explosions, uh, car bombs, uh, you know, people being killed and everything. And so we were trying to force people away from that narrative by saying, yes, you know, we're in Iraq, but it's not the Iraq that you're seeing on TV. This is the other Iraq. Um, you know, and there's a lot more to be seen and known from that other Iraq. And so that's why we chose that name as well, um, the other Iraq tours. So um, we, we operated, like I said, from 2008, um, and I guess it was about um, 2013. Yeah, 2013. Um, Dr. Douglas and I were talking um, about what we can do to try to make the experience of the people that were coming that much better. Uh, because quite frankly, one of the complaints that we were getting from some of our guests is there's no proper guidebook out there. Um, you know, that we have no way to prepare if we want to get it in advance. And if we go back home, there's nothing we can buy here in Kurdistan to take away with us. Um, you know, so they, they wanted something that was kind of a memento for them uh, to take away with them, to share with their friends and family when they got back home. And so when we were getting requests from people to do this, we started looking around ourselves in Kurdistan. And they were right. We couldn't find anything. Um, there were some other products out there that were prepared by, you know, different folks. But again, with us, standards has always been one of our 
uh, core values, and, and they, they were not something that we wanted to give to our guests because, you know, there were grammatical errors, there were spelling mistakes, um, there was just a basic lack of information um, in some cases. I mean, I remember um, one of the books that we saw, they were talking about Acre, and, um, you know, they had a picture, the famous Nauru's picture of people marching up the hill with the fires and... Um, uh, the only thing that it said was Acre is a historic place 45 kilometers from the hook. That's all it said. Um, and so we thought, my God, we, we've got to fill in these gaps and provide more information about these different places. And so that's where our idea for the guy came from, that we thought, we're not going to find it. And so if we're not going to find it, let's do it ourselves. Uh, we'll, we'll put it together on our own. So in, 2000, I guess, late 2013, early 2014, we actually started working on the project. Um, we started the research. We brought out a photographer. Um, we shot uh, 4,000 new pictures uh, for this uh, project. Um, and we tapped into a few other professional photographers for their stock photos as well. Um, did new, fresh research on 150 different locations um, across all of uh, Kurdistan. And, um, of course, we filled in all the typical tourist information that's required, hotels, restaurants, nightlife, um, how you call the police, uh, you know, what do you do if you have a health issue, um, all, all of the kinds of things that you would expect in a guidebook. We started doing all of that research in that time to gather all that information. And I want to say that we were finished by the early spring of 2014. Unfortunately, that wasn't very good timing um, because uh, I guess it was about a month after uh, my colleague, Dr. Douglas, went to Istanbul to do the final layouts and the final graphic artwork uh, with the firm that we hired in Istanbul to do this. You might say, why do we go to Istanbul? Well, unfortunately, that was where we had to go. We couldn't, we couldn't find um, a printing house in Kurdistan that could do the job that we were looking for, so we had to go there. But he was up there uh, doing that final work when Daesh uh, attacked into Mosul um, and took over Mosul, Beji, Tikrit, and you know, further on down to the south. And so um, that wasn't very good uh, for our business as operating a tour company, as you can imagine. Um, there, there was uh, suddenly every tour that we had scheduled was canceled uh, because people just simply they, they couldn't get past what they were seeing on TV. And although we knew and we were telling people the core parts of Kurdistan are still safe. Um, you know, it's as we've seen from events in other parts of Europe here not too long ago, it, you, you've got places to be worried about in your own backyard, let alone in Kurdistan. But we couldn't get people to pass that notion uh, because they, they couldn't, picture in their mind how far away we were from the places where Dash was, and they couldn't visualize, you know, the great job that the Peshmerga do securing uh, the border um, against Dash. So tourism is a business um, out the window. And so when, when we were working on this, we had people saying, why are you working on a tour book now? Uh, are you guys crazy or what? Um, uh, you know, are, are you thinking that if you sell those people are going to come to, to Kurdistan to do a tour? And, you know, we, we had experienced some of these same questions back in 2008 when we did our first inbound tour. People said the same thing, you know, why are you guys doing tours? 
And, you know, we, we proved ourselves correct back then in 2008 because we had people steadily coming. Um, you know, are, were we getting rich off of it? No, but we, we were paying our bills. And more importantly, we were presenting the positive Curtis Town experience to everybody that we had come with us. Uh, we built the additional groups off of that concept that I talked about where people were talking to friends and family and more people and more people were coming. Um, so like I said, we, we had proven the model before um, in how we operated the tour company. And so we thought, you know what, we've started this project. We are about to go to press. Let's keep going forward with it. Because we said uh, among ourselves, you know what, yes, we may not have the volumes of people coming for tours right now, but we can get on to the back of the positive press that's in the media right now about the Peshmerga. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, of course, I don't watch Swedish press, but I watch English-speaking press, and, you know, the Kurds are getting pretty good coverage uh, these days in the press. You know, they're, they're being talked about as the ground force for the coalition and, you know, the one reliable force that's fighting against Daesh. Um, you know, of course, there was a lot of press coverage about around Kobani and recently around Sinjar. So we thought, let's get on the back of that, but change the narrative a little bit, get away from the military side of it, and talk about, you know, again, the natural wonders, talk about the history, talk about the people, um, so that when all of this crisis subsides, we can hopefully directly have people decide, yes, maybe it is time to see this place we've heard so much about. And you know what? There's, there's a pretty darn good book out there that talks about some of those things. Um, so we, we decided for that reason, keep it going, get the book out there. But we also thought, let's make this a little bit of a political narrative of, as well. Um, and especially in those capitals, Washington, London, um, for example, where support is important. And to show that we are not intimidated by Daesh. We're, we're not frightened by what they're doing. Um, and nor are the people in Kurdistan. Life is going on. Business is continuing. Yes, there are a lot of challenges out there. There's no doubt about that. But um, we're continuing to drive forward because life will continue after Daesh. They, they will go away sooner or later, one way or the other. And so that was part of our, our political message that we thought we were sending out there as well. Um, now, the book itself, uh, as I mentioned, 4,000 photographs, 150 different locations. We're at about 400 pages uh, for the book. We broke it down to into um, four main sections. There's a section for each uh, Rabil, uh, Dubuk, Suleimani uh, provinces. We did a section as well on Garmian slash Kirkuk uh, because that's how the Board of Tourism uh, in Kurdistan breaks it out. So there, there's a focused section on each one of those um, that talks about the various things in those uh, provinces. Uh, a section, general history, general religion, religious tolerance, um, there's a section on Nauru's. Um, and one thing that we decided to do as well, we decided to give the book some um, kind of like a personal flavor to it as well. And we asked a number of guest experts to write articles for us in the book. For example, we have a couple of articles about Kurdish music. Uh, Adnan Karim, uh, Chopi Fatah, both wrote articles for us uh, in the book. Did an article on Kurdish cinema. Uh, John Oroj Bayani uh, wrote an article for us about Kurdish cinema. Uh, cuisine, a uh, lady named uh, Mrs. Chiman Zbari. Uh, in fact, she just put out a book in America about Kurdish cuisine. Um, so we, we focused uh, on, on her efforts. 
Um, we have an article about the Peshmerga, um, the flora and fauna of Kurdistan. Um, Dr. Barhan's wife, Dr. Barhan Salah, she wrote that article for us, uh, Women in Kurdistan. So we have a number as well of personal articles um, about different aspects of, of life in Kurdistan that we thought would take it again to the next level and personalize uh, the book uh, even more so. Um, one of the other things we've done, we decided, you know, we don't want to make this a book that we print a bunch of copies of and stick them in a warehouse in Istanbul or Hawler or wherever. We want to get them out um, because just like we try to do with our company, we wanted to get out the word and spread it as much as possible. So we, we've done a lot in that regard as well. Um, this is actually, I guess, the fourth event that we've done um, uh, of this nature. Of course, we had our launch event in Erbil. We did an event um, in London. Um, uh, the uh, UK Parliament hosted us for that event. And um, we did another event in Washington, D.C. Um, uh, for that event, we actually gave away copies to every single member of the U.S. Congress. Um, so we would put it in their hands and pound it into their heads about what Kurdistan is. And now here, we're in, we're in Sweden. In fact, we were talking last night about trying to find a way to get this into the hands of at least some key Swedish parliamentarians as well, for hopefully maybe the same effects. Good. Um, and I'll, I'll look for you guys to hopefully help with that. And I'll send more if I have to. Um, the book's on Amazon. Uh, you know, we, we got it on Amazon. Uh, we have its own website. We sent copies uh, to about 300 journalists, um, focusing mainly on... Uh, travel journalists, but we sent us some to other journalists as well, and we sent a whole bunch to international travel agencies that are out there. Um, again, trying to get the book out to many different sources as we could. Um, again, for the various reasons that I mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's what the book is all about. Um, a lot of effort and care and love went into producing the book. Um, we are hoping that if the book uh, continues with the positive reception, that we will maybe do a new edition. Um, kind of an updated version, uh, possibly in 2017, and we'll come out in more than English. Um, we'll come out as well in Kurdish, um, Arabic, Turkish, um, probably a couple of European languages as well. Um, again, to, to spread the word even more. So that's what it's all about. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now I will, in two minutes, translate everything you said in Kurdish. Wow. Speed <laughs> Karim, I'm 
And I think we will buy more books than the presenting people here, existing people in this. I can guarantee you. So don't look at the number of this, because we know that we will buy more than. Yes. Yes. So, if you are going to have a Kurdi Arabic English, as we have them, I will tell you what we can. I'm persuading you. Farmo. Not you. He says that if an American publish a book like this, does it mean that Kurdistan will be a free country? Is a kind of heritage? And when I first got to Kosovo, I said, you know what? This place is going to be independent one day. Um, and, you know, I had a similar feeling when I got to Kurdistan as well. So, I, I think. When you you have lived so much with the Kurds, to set up the Kurdish, set up the American one, yeah? Of them, the Kurds. Then the ah, bad man. You understood? I said fifty percent American, and I think fifty-one percent Kurdish, forty-nine percent. He likes to know as an observer, as he says, a non-politician observer, if you can say the mistakes the Kurds are making today, good side and bad side of the Kurds, not just in tourism. I asked him if it was just about tourism, but it's general, in general. So could you give him a short answer in one minute and 30 seconds? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I think um, um, there, there's a couple of things that I say to my friends that I work with in Kurdistan about, about the issue that you precisely said right now. Uh, well, one more time. I'd like to, to be corrected. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a couple of things that I say to the friends yeah. that I work with in Kurdistan. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those things very simply are, number one, um, you know, it's very important to get the narrative of Kurdistan out to the rest of the world. And, and to keep it out there. You mean lobby something? Yeah, you could say lobby. 
to some degree. Don't yeah. make you yeah. shake it. Yeah. Um, because the reality is, in a lot of the places where it's important for that message to be heard, they have a very short attention span, maybe 15 minutes long. Dibe valate ku lerver na bazen murochiroka hodresh deje yani Kurdistan shaper che wa wa bazen de bazen khala hamu And and one of the mistakes that I've seen some of my Kurdish friends make, they think if they say the story one time, finished. They don't need to say it anymore. And that's a big mistake. Need to say it again and again. The other thing is, um, believe me, I understand the issues of internal politics and how you know you could agree about one thing and I think something else. We have the same issues in America. But but I think one of the things that's and again people in Kurdistan know this issue themselves. But that is the lack of at important times and for important issues to be unified. And, you know, there are some key issues out there which, which you all know where unity is important and because people can't get on the same page about some simple things, they can't focus on those bigger issues. I Um, I'd like to thank you very much for coming here and for the wonderful job as you have done and you started to, to know us as a coroner but now it's something else today but I'd like to know uh, if you see what future do you have in Rojava uh, you know Rojava <laughs> And in the Bashur in the Iraqi and Syrian Kurdistans, do you believe that they will have their rights? Something like that. Well, of course, you know, um, in Bashur, in Iraqi Kurdistan, it's a very different situation um, because of what happened in 2003. And because of what happened a year and a half ago from Daesh, um, I truly believe that. Kurdistan is more, Iraqi Kurdistan is more on its way to being more more autonomous, closer to independence than at any time. Um, <laughs> But Rojava is coming. He's from Rojava, so he's just. So, and so, um, you know, in, in fact, I think that is recognized in a lot of Western capitals today as well. Um, Bashur, yes. Bashur. Because they, they see how Baghdad has ignored 
uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Kurdistan. And in close, behind closed doors, you can get some of those people to admit it, that things will not go back to the way they were before. Um, of course, Rojava is a bit of a different, more, more challenging uh, problem. Um, you know, this is again my opinion. Um, you know, it's it's a very complex environment, all of Syria, to include Rojava. In fact, just just this morning, I saw a very interesting political cartoon. Um, on both Facebook and Twitter floating around. And, and I'll, I'll try to describe it for you. It basically, it shows a caricature of all of the characters who are involved in Syria today. <laughs> so it, Assad, Erdogan, uh, Khamenei, Daesh, um, an Iraqi army soldier, Russia, all Putin, all of them. Right. And in in the caricature, they all are holding a pistol in each hand, and they're all pointing at basically each other. And it's who's pointing the pistol at who? So Erdogan, for example, is pointing the pistol at Assad and the Kurds. And then the Iraqi soldiers got appointed his head. And Assad has appointed at uh, at ISIS and the rebels. So it's it's like this. And that's why it's complicated. But you know the, the thing the thing that is very interesting um, that gives me hope that again the situation in Rojava will be better going forward than before are two again two things. One um, that when this crisis started, as you know, Assad basically tur- turned away. You know he did not get so much involved and basically left many parts to their own. Devices. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that um, the, and I'll say in this case, the U.S.-led coalition, um, because it is in Syria, definitely um, from the Western side anyway, being led by you know, the Americans, has been actively providing support. Um, to uh, the Kurdish fighters, uh, as you know, led yeah, by the other Very much angering uh, Turkey um, that we're doing that as well. But again, the reason for that is that because the U.S. government's policy, they don't look at Yepika the same as PKK. Um, and so for that reason that's how they've justified getting that support 
So, you know, for those two reasons, I think there is a greater chance that, like Iraqi Kurdistan, that when the Daesh crisis is finished, that you will see something different in Rojava as well. Yes. You can ask because, okay. Do I have the right to ask? Yes. Okay. Um, so I have two questions. Uh, the first one is about tourism in Kurdistan. Um, I heard that there is, or there, there, there had to be a conference, a conference on tourism in Kurdistan in, in these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what is why should why why should there there be a conference? Is it because there is too much interest in tourism in Kurdistan, or because there is um, a reason to just uh, as you mentioned to lift the the nature of Kurdistan so that be to be attractive to to the tourists? And maybe th- this is. Um, a of the question and the B part of it. Um, have you seen that there, there is uh, many tourists that come to Kurdistan, in fact, in the last 10 years, say, or, or after 2003? The, the second uh, question is, is a comment on the question or just a suggestion on the question. Uh, do you think that uh, you, you can publish the diaries of those foreigners who come to Kurdistan mm-hmm. and stay there uh, and uh, talk about their, their visit. I, I have seen myself many Russians, Americans, uh, Europeans, Americans, uh, yes, and uh, who wrote about their, who wrote their diaries or just filmed some of the places that they visited. Do you think that it would also back your um, idea of Kurdistan tour guide when you publish them in your website, for example. Kurdistan <laughs> Okay. So, yes, uh, for the first one, there was a plan for a tourism conference in Erbil on the 1st and 2nd of December. Um, note, I said was. Uh-huh. Yes, so it will be in the conference? There was a plan. Right. And, and I can tell you, um, that spun out of um, a plan that the Board of Tourism had uh, in the end of 2013. Um, you may know that to, in 2014, Haler was designated, because it was Arab, uh, was designated as the capital of Arab tourism um, for 2014. 
And so that conference spun out of that designation. Because it was in competition against all of the sites in the Arab world as well. And, and so, right, so, and so, Erbil was the number one, one um, as part of Iraq. Um, you know, an, an Arab country won as part of Iraq. That, that's how it As an Iraqi city, not a Kurdish city. Yes, as an Iraqi city. And so, um, much like us, um, you know, the, the Board of Tourism was impacted as well by what happened with Daesh. They had planned to have this conference a lot earlier, but they kept postponing it, kept postponing it, kept postponing it because hoping that the situation would get better much quicker. Um, but they, they ultimately decided, you know, let, let's do it and get it done with. So they had planned to do it on the first and second, but it was canceled um, at the end of last week. And um, sadly, the reason it was canceled, um, you, you, you may not be um, aware, but last week the airspace over Kurdistan was closed for a couple of days. And so um, the conference organizers didn't know how long that cancellation would go for. Uh, they were concerned that the guests who were going to come for it wouldn't be able to get into Kurdistan, and so they canceled the conference. And, and I'll tell you very plainly that the reason our airspace was closed was because uh, Russia decided to fly some cruise missiles um, over Erbil. Um, and the first time they did it, there was no warning. On the way to Syria. Yes. I said it before you. <laughs> I, I knew you would come there. Um, uh, and and they, fortunately, when they did that a couple more times, they, they let us know in advance. But... Nonetheless, that uh, caused the closure of the airspace for a couple of days. In fact, I was worried that I was not getting here. Um, but today, Sweden also has decided to not fly to Kurdistan. Oh, really? Well, and I, and I know the UAE did as well today. Um, yeah. So all Emirati carriers. But you have all three in the ticket? No, uh, I came on Turkish Airlines, actually. Okay, then you can go back. <laughs> I know they're a little bit more intrepid than some of the others. Um, but, uh, so, so that was the plan for why they intended to do it. Um, you know, I, again, like, like us, I don't think they were so naive to think that by having that tourism conference, they would suddenly, you know, open people up to say, oh, my God, we've got to get to this place, Kurdistan. But it was more they had planned to do it. They had been postponing it and thought, you know, let's let's get it done. It could be also a good publicity propaganda. Yeah, yeah, if, if they, right, if, if it had been able to happen, um, for, unfortunately not. Um, in terms of the numbers of people, um, I, I know in our case, and again, from from our case, we were focused on Westerners. That was entirely our focus. Again, Americans, Europeans, mm. uh, Australians, Canadians. 
we would get a couple hundred people a year is what we would get um, for, from our tours. But Kurdistan was taking credit for a lot more tourists than that. And before the Daesh crisis started, to be frank with you, most of the tourists who were coming were Arabs from the south of Iraq, from the Gulf countries in some cases. Um, and especially during uh, the different feast times, the judgments, uh, they would come uh, to uh, Kurdistan. Um, you know, but their, their tourism that they were doing was very much different than what we had for our market because our tourism, we were focused on this stuff, you know, what's in here. Um, we were focused on introducing the people, um, the history, uh, the sites. The Arab tourism that was coming in was mainly focused on spending time in the hotels, going to the shopping malls. Um, and in the hot weather, they might go up to Galli Alley Bag or Jundian or something like that to put their feet in the water. That was it. So that's number two. Go, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> And for the final bit of your question, that, that's a very interesting idea. I mean, we have taken some snippets of comments from people and you know put them on our website and everything. Um, but expanding on that, it's an interesting idea. We we have had people come and write full blogs about their their visits with us. You know, we've had um, people write news articles about their visits with us. We, we've actually had a few tourists um, since, since Dash started. Um, and a couple of them came as journalists. I mean, they, they came and did the tourism stuff, but they also came and did journalism stuff as well, interviewed people, and then published uh, articles uh, about their visits. Um, so, uh, in fact, we just had a tour last week with a, with a German guy. Well, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we are getting onesies and twosies. Yes, I think the other question was the books of uh, the, the diaries of the Western people coming in Kurdistan. He asked. Well, he already answered. He already answered. We are ready with this. No, no, I'm asking you if you are happy with it. Uh, yes, of course. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I had a question. Yes, you first and then she, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you very much for this amazing illustration. I can't wait to read the book. I think it's just amazing. Um, I have a question. I was in Hewlett a few weeks ago, and uh, I mean, I love the city, of course, because I'm, self, I'm Kurdish, and I love the culture and everything. But I could not get away from the fact that there are tons and tons of buildings, hotels, and everything, just they're, they're standing still. I mean, in some, in some areas, it looks like a ghost town. And... You're, you've written this amazing tour guide uh, about Kurdistan, but what is your thought? Do you think that these buildings will start building again and people are going to start being active despite the fact that Daesh 
is in the area, or do you think that this is going to stand still until everything's settled down? Mm -hmm. You can't answer that. I okay. Good question. Um, you know, um, I'll be frank, okay? Um, I guess that's the best way, right? Yeah. Um, can you, can you, you can answer the question? We hear it. Uh, the, the question. The question is, uh, she was just in, in Hawlair uh, a few weeks ago, and when she was there, she saw uh, a lot of construction uh, that was stopped, mm. you know, different projects that were in various stages of completion, and in some areas it looked like, you know, a ghost town because nothing was happening. And so the question was, um, you know, what, what do I think about, will that be completed, what's required uh, to get that going, that kind of that yeah, synopsis, exactly. right? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, there's a couple of reasons why I think that is the way it is. Um, first, again, with Dosh coming, um, I think a lot of the investors who are working on a lot of those projects, uh, they became very conservative yeah. uh, because I think some of them were concerned how long will this go on? Um, you know, uh, what will what will things look like when it's finished? Maybe I should just keep my money close to the vest right now um, instead of pouring more money into something. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I mean, because I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we've had many hotels um, built in Kurdistan in the last eight nine years. Um, uh, you know, from from the big guys, Devon, Rotana. Uh, um, Marriott's under construction, Kempinski's under construction, Erbia, we had the real Sheraton open into hook, uh, Rixos, uh, Grand Millennium and Suleimani, so a lot of hotel construction, down to, you know, the, the two and three star kind of operations. Since Dosh has come, more than 70 hotels have closed. Seven um, zero. 70, 70 have closed in Kurdistan because they're not filling rooms. Um, and so... You know, for a lot of those projects that were maybe uh, services or tourism related, you know, whether it was other hotels or restaurants or shopping, they decided, let's hold off. The other problem that we have um, is there is a physical cash problem in Kurdistan. I wanted, you, I wanted you to say it. <laughs> there is a physical cash problem in Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. And um, li literally, I mean, you can go to the bank and you can have thousands or millions or whatever in your account, but there is not money in the bank yeah. to match what you have in your account. Um, and so that is the other problem. Again, if you're one of those investors who's building one of those projects and you have you know, the cash on your account in the bank, you can't pull it out to do the work. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a two-fold problem. And um, you know the cash problem is directly connected to Baghdad. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's it, until until those two things are resolved, a lot of those projects are going to stay stalled, is the unfortunate reality. Spas. Thank you. <laughs> وكي بعجار الخيالات يعني يعني كسلين هيك إنسان كيم يشوفه مصابية ويجي باستكت بيكو أناها جبرهو وتكون عايش كده كوردستانه هني كي تجار ترسيا قلتنا مزانس بيدوس بايرفر شبه ويجي تماتيه كيلو خباش تكشاندن وحتى لقاجي حفتي أوتيل لكوردستانه هاتيه قرتنا جي صالة شويه أوتيل مزني يعني وجبركو أوتيل ترجي كنا أوتيل ميفانا بركيم بيك نكارب 
خواهی بکرد سبب بگید دیجا و برای پیش خلیسان کیه بگید مثلا باقید بلا ملیاره که تجیه بگوات بهاری ملیاره که نداده به جهاز هم داده به جهت نیه برای حقیقت باقی او برای اختار کتا سر حسابت رقم الهیه بس در پراتیک دوی برای تو نکارش بگستیدی او جهاز بس سوجداره ایش بغداه I would like to go to this tourism business. Yeah, Absolutely. Welcome. Come on down. Um, let, me, let me back up, though, to cover your all your comments. You know, your, your comment about who's coming to Kurdistan, at least before, is exactly correct. Um, to be very frank with you, most of our early tourists were the kind of people you were talking about. Older folks, you know, retirees, um, again, people who have, you know, in some cases they had been to... 150, 175 different countries. Oh <laughs> um, and you know, they heard about this place, Kurdistan, and they wanted to check that off of their bucket list as well. Um, so we were having a lot. I mean, we had one person, 87 years old, um, came and went to every place we go to, climbed all the steps at uh, um, Al Kush in the monastery, or Hormiz monastery, walked all the way up to Shandlar Cave. Um, Shandlar Cave. Shandar, Shandar in, uh, in uh, Marzan region. So uh, did everything, which was a shock for us at 87 years old. Um, and uh, you know th- those 
those kind of folks, you know, we can easily accommodate because our core business as a tourism company is as a custom luxury tour company. So, so that very naturally fit into what we do because we would put people in the five-star hotels, um, only took them to the best restaurants, and we would literally take care of them from portal to portal. We would meet them at the airport, <clears throat> drop them off at the airport, and handle everything in between. Um, the other kind of tourist, uh, the, the, say the younger setters you're talking about, um, they're interested in a couple of things. Some of them are the backpacker crowd, um, as you're talking about. Um, frankly, most of them are not interested in coming with us. And, and we that's not to say that we no, we're not prepared to put people in a three-star hotel or whatever. We are. We have done that. But a lot of them are looking for kind of like the youth hostel kind of thing. And, of course, there is no youth hostel in Kurdistan. Um, there, there's not that kind of thing. But we have had younger folks who have wanted to have, call it the speed Kurdistan um, experience. Um, we even had one guy, he flew in one night, spent a day doing literally as fast as our guy could drive to as many places as he could go and left the next night. Um, he, just, he wanted to get that stamp in his passport to say he had been in Iraq um, and to see everything he could in a day. Um, so, you know, we, we have had people um, uh, do that as well. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, cooperating for folks who are here in Sweden, absolutely. The back of the book is our website. Um, if you've got this, this, for example, this company, put them in touch with us. If they are willing to send people here, it's, well, not here, to Kurdistan. If they're willing to send people to Kurdistan, we'll happily show them around. And one thing that we have always done, I hope I'm not talking to you. No, no. You got all this? You're good? Yes. Two-minute two translation. Okay. Um, uh, the other thing that we have often told tour companies that are interested in working with us because um, I'll be honest with you, for me, tourism is a hobby, really. Um, it's not my main job. The, uh, Shalom back here knows my main job. I advise the Minister of Interior. Uh, that's my main day job. So that means I'm pretty plugged into what's going on in security uh, in, in Kurdistan. So we tell folks, listen, we are not going to send you to some place where there's a security problem. Um, we very well know where it is safe to go and where it is not safe to go. And thankfully, in the core part of Kurdistan, call it the official part of Kurdistan from the Constitution of 2005, mm -hmm. right now there's only one place we don't go to, um, St. Matthew's Monastery on uh, Maklub Mountain. Um, everything else is in our normal uh, route. So you know, we tell folks, we, we will take care of you. Um, and, uh, you know, again, thankfully, knock wood, that's been the case. So uh, I, I hope maybe this company, for example, might be interested in being a pioneer in restarting folks coming back. So I'm happy for that. Yes. Yani 
I've been asked that question before, so I'm a little bit prepared for this one. Um, actually, we, we've discussed it. Uh, my, my colleague, Dr. Douglas, and I, we've discussed doing a, let's call it Greater Kurdistan uh, tour. Um, not right now. No. Um, we, I don't know if we want to make that big of a political statement right now. Um, so uh, we've we talked about it. We're thinking about it. We want to focus on the other version that I told you, the updated and other languages version. And then once that's done, you know, 2018 or so, we'll see what's going on. So you mean you just write about the small brothers, not the big brother of Kurdistan? The small brothers. Thank you uh, very much for the questions. 